Hi guys, it's Ellie here. I just wanted to pop in and say a quick hello and thank you so much for everyone who's been listening, everyone who's been supporting the podcast so far as we go through launch. Uh, We super appreciate it. This month, the winner of our giveaway, uh, if you don't know, if you leave us an iTunes review, you'll be entered into a monthly gift card giveaway of $20. And this month's winner is Jason MB. Uh, I think I have your information on Twitter, so I'll reach out to you to see what kind of gift card that you would like. Again, thank you guys so much for listening and for all your support. We really appreciate it. Now on with the episode. to what it is the competitive knowledge podcast with your favorite friends me ellie main and my co-host chelsea harfush we always love it when you make that noise when you make the ham horn sound i've been working on it so hard (laughs) so the way this show works is that three people research deep dive a topic that they are really excited about and then they present it to the other two people a little bit of celebration of the world because we think we could all use some fun positive interesting news in these here times let me introduce our guest today it's the Miles Luna. Hello. I'm the five glasses of wine in Miles Luna today. Ooh, that's a, <laughs> so messy. That's a fun Miles Luna. It's it's a variant of Miles Luna. I like to call it Miles Luna Fiesta. Oh, I'd li- I like it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's when you get like a little bit party. Ooh, I'm excited. Miles, can, with like completely wildly out of context, can yeah. you explain what you do? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm a writer and voice actor here in uh, the town, Austin Town. That's what I thought you were going to call it earlier. Austin, Austin Town. Town. Austin Town. Uh, also, that's not wildly out of context. That's just very deeply specific. About formerly known what as, you do. Formerly known <laughs> as Waterloo. Fact. Fact oh, bang. That's true. Fact, Fact bang. bang. Fact bang. We're going to go into our mini game. At the top of each show, uh, we like to play a little mini game where we give each other the titles of our topics and the others get to guess what we think it might be. And I'm going to kick it off. My title is A Tough Read. Ooh. Ooh. <gasps> is it the Necronomicon? I was lit. Where was Chelsea, I was literally about to <laughs> like, Is it reading the Necronomicon? The book might have been listed. Yes! No. Oh, are you sure it's not the Necronomicon? Oh, I'm thinking the it's the Necronomicon, it's though, but it's like the Necronomicon. Ma- Max, it's not the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Did you put that in chat, Max? For you audio listeners, this particular episode of What is being streamed live for Twitch, so there's yeah. fun chat interaction. We're experimenting with no, that, it's so not, not the, the Bible. Necrom- Necronomicon. Necronomicon. It's Eleanor. not that, and it's not the Bible, which is a thrilling read, actually, mm. if you're doing it right. Um, okay, can I give you my title? tough tab? read. Wait, 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 yes. I want to keep playing in Ellie's face, but I'm so sorry. She's playing in my space. Fiesta, keep it together. Tough read. Maybe um, maybe something to do with hieroglyphics, like on that rock. Weird, ooh, wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna be. So, is it that weird book that I can't think of the name of? But it's all symbols and it's really old and nobody's ever been able to figure it out. Maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it's something manuscript, and Jeff Ramsey told me about it like years ago. Don't look it up. Well, because I can't remember the name of it, but I know exactly. Yeah. What well, we'll get to it because that's what it is. Hey, that's yes! Holy shit! Oh my god! Is this the first time you actually won the mini game? It's the first time. It's not the first time that the the, the topic's been guessed, but it might be the first time Chelsea's won the mini game. Yeah, it's the first time I've won the mini game. Congratulations. Thank you. Mine is The Star Wolf of Wall Street. What? That's the name of the podcast. Oh, oh, I know what this one is. You think this so? This is huh? your uh, fan fiction you told me about that you wrote when you were in seventh grade. <laughs> Don't tell him about the fan fiction. <laughs> Cheeseball the cat freaked the fuck out at she that bit. Didn't like that at all. <laughs> she didn't like the shushing. Yeah, no. She's Star- going to be shushed. No, she didn't. I mean, I'm gonna ask. So- like, y'all know, y'all. I mean, y'all know about Star Wolf, right? No. no. Star Wolf is the arch nemesis of Star Fox. He's a video game character. He flies around in the stars. Right. Why would do wolves eat foxes? You know what? What's your what? You know what? What's your title? Just give us your title, Chelsea. <laughs> well, I like how you got so mad that you revealed what your own fucking topic is about. Oh, I. I but but have I? Max no. is trolling us I? from like two feet away, <laughs> and he's loving. He just said, <laughs> "I wish I could read any of it." Miles is a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard that about Miles. 
Josie, what is the title of your topic? Miles is a virgin. <laughs> what? <laughs> In this episode of what, I will conclusively prove that Miles Luna is a virgin. <laughs> They've never known the sheath of a woman. I can't. <laughs> what a horrible way to say it. So my topic title is Sopranos. But make it bones. <laughs> so it's a, huh. is it about prestige television? Uh, prestige television comes into play, but that's not what the topic is about. Okay. Is it about? But make it bones. The. <laughs> is it about, um, the high octane, um, thrilling, deceitful world of paleontologists? <laughs> Yes. Yes. (laughs) What the fuck is happening? We have guessed all three topics. You didn't guess mine. Yeah, you're explaining how you're a virgin. (laughs) I'm gonna kick this off. Yes, I want to see. Chelsea was right. My topic is about the Voynich Manuscript. The, I'm sorry, what? Yes. yes. Oh, Miles, you're so, gonna get so upset about this one. Yeah, it's pretty upsetting. What? Okay, so the Voynich Manuscript is in Yale's Beinecke Rare Book and Manuscript Library, which also National Treasure get me the freaking. Oh, I was about to, to say, time out. They have that. That's they have a, a thing rare they have. Book and manuscript library. Yes. That's yes. some Harry Potter shit. I know. So, this book is 240 pages. It's pretty small. It's full of this beautiful looping script, very delicate paintings of botany, both real and imagined. It's full of uh, uh, castles flying in the sky, people bathing, these really beautiful, like, old kind of medieval-looking paintings of all these amazing, fantastical things. Here are the six chapters of the book that we can discern through the pictures. Herbal, astronomical, biological, cosmological, pharmaceutical, and recipes. And manga. But... <laughs> the last one's just a bunch of anime titties. But here's Hell the thing. Yeah. But here's the thing. No one knows what it says. Huh. No one knows what it says. Okay. No one has identified the language of the Voynich manuscript. Okay. Conclusively. Is this... Like, as in it is a dead language of a long-lost society? Or is this some guy that saw... that Some poor, illiterate bastard with great ideas saw other people writing and, like, a child was like, I can do that too, and just sort of Charlie dayed his way through 234 pages of nonsense. Let me take you through it. Okay. This has sort of been discovered in modern day uh, through this Polish bookseller, Wilfred Wojnik, which is where we get Wojnik manuscript from. Uh, He was alive from 1865 to 1930, and he found it at a Jesuit college in Italy in 1912. No one can decipher it. Who wrote it? Where? What does it mean? What are all the images about? Mm. Um, Cryptologists, which like, oh my God, in a former life, I was a cryptologist. Like Robert you were Langdon. Keira Knightley in that movie? Yes, I was Keira Knightley in that movie. I was Tom Hanks in that other movie. I was Nicholas Cage in National fucked. Treasure. She wouldn't have fucked Benedict Cumberbatch, but he was gay. That's oh. what happened in that movie. Okay. Oh, the imitation game. Yeah. You got, got there. It. Yeah, we got there. So cryptologists say that the writing has the characteristics of a real language, just not one that anyone can identify. Hmm. So it has it clearly has an alphabet, and some letters can be kind of like look like from there from the Latin alphabet. Some look Arabic, some look Hebrew, and they have like like in language it has patterns of letters that appear frequently. Just no one knows what the letters are. Well, okay, have they tried taking a pair of Benjamin Franklin's um, <gasps> bifocals, oh, special with, with, special glasses with, with I don't know two to three varying <laughs> colors of lenses that when. Um, combined and subtracted would allow them to to see the hidden text. Uh, the, the hidden map, you mean? Yeah. Well, let's not jump to conclusions. I'm not Voig, whatever his name is. Voynich. Voin- um, Voit. The no, do- the dodgeball company. They Voit. haven't. They haven't done that. Um, well, maybe think about it. The pages of the book are highly decorated with scroll-like embellishments, so like little flowers and like like the stuff that you would see in like. My of, my high school notebook when I was bored during sure, class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, ancient, like medieval. Is this, really where the, is this where the Infinity S came from? Was from this book? Yes, yeah. exactly. And the, the Superman S. Himself. The Superman S came from this. Uh, that's not true. 
The book also looks like it had two or more authors, just from like the variants of handwriting. One of them dotted their eyes with hearts. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Exactly. And it also looks like the paintings were done by someone else. So it wasn't oh. just one person, one author of this book. We have no idea who they are and we cannot decipher this language. But here's the three main theories, okay? Okay. So one, it's like in cipher, it's written in code that someone else, like someone else has the thing that they need to decipher the code and so that got lost. Mm, and so we, okay. so the whole book is written in this cipher. The second one, which is my favorite personally, is that the whole thing was an elaborate hoax dreamed up by a medieval con man who thought he was selling a book of like spells to any gullible man that would buy the book. Oh, hell yeah. Do you like In a former a life, I was the guy buying the book. Right. Oh, and I um, was the person selling it. I was like, whole, I'm gonna learn lightning bolt. That the whole thing was like a grift that they were like, I have here in my wizened hand, a magical mm. spelly book, which I will sell to you for a... But, uh, but a mere half penny. But a guinea. Yeah. Or whatever. It was definitely a book with like an E on the end. I was, yeah. Bouquet. I will will sell to you for the heads of 17 rats for my potions. That kind of thing. Potions. Um, A sort of bridge on that theory is that it was William Voynich himself that did that. And he was like, hey guys, I found this book and it's like real spooky and nobody goes. I'm more inclined to believe a grift over uh, Cypher because like if all the chapters seem to be about like plants and stars and stuff why would you need to encrypt that information right exactly um the third theory is that it is an attempt to write down to script a a language that was only spoken Mm. Um, another example of this is are the rongo rongo glyphs (laughs) which i learned about on this journey which uh were discovered in the 19th century on easter island and the like it's now unreadable because the culture collapsed so we have no idea what that says but we can but we know that it was the language of the island at the time i gotta say i think there's a fourth theory here okay it this sounds like the world's first great fan fiction I think like just how people get together on Tumblr nowadays. You got a couple of authors that had a cool idea for a story Bible, and then they realized none of them motherfuckers knew how to draw, so they like phoned up their boy Ted, who's like real good with a quill, and like he came in, he did all of his artwork and stuff, and they're like, Uh "This is gonna be legit. It's gonna be super good. We can't pay you right now, Ted, but you're gonna get lots of exposure for it." Like step one, make books. Step two, uh, step three, profit. Profit. Yeah. Yeah. uh, We've had some breakthroughs. (gasps) <gasps> I didn't so, know what? It was recently carbon dated to 1420 or around there. Sick. Contemporary historians have traced it like hand to hand up to 1612 when it was given by the Holy Roman Emperor Rudolf II to his physician Jacobus Sinapius. A lot of fun names in nice. this one. Very fun. Um, and then as recently as 2017, Mr. Amit Ardit, a Canadian amateur researcher um, and an electrical engineer by trade, claimed that the language is from ancient phonetic Turkish. What the fuck? Very cool. He thought that he managed to identify, and one of the pictures is like a moon in the middle that has a face, and then it's separated into like 12 quadrants. And he says that through his idea that this was ancient Turkish, his man had managed to decipher the words autumn, raining, and moon, which he was like, that kind of makes sense for like a cycle of the year. So hmm. I think I'm onto something here. He claims to have been able to match labels of images like a sunflower. He managed to also like trace it as being sunflower through his like the way that he thought the language worked. Also, an image that he believed to be a square in Constantinople in Turkey. All in all, he says that he's managed to translate 30% of the words in the book, which is about 600 words, um, come up with the alphabet. And he's had support from linguistic experts in the field of Turkology. Yes. But when he submitted all all of his findings to the John Hopkins Journal of uh, Philology, it was rejected. What? Why? Why? Because they claimed, their like refute was that no linguist in 500 years, which would have included people who had knowledge of ancient Turkey, have ever like successfully proven that that's true. So, what about the other 70% of the words? And um, this was my most interesting way, reason that they refuted it was because before 1928, Turkish was written right to left. And this book is written left to right. 
Oh, well, that is... That, that's kind of... They should have led with that one. Yeah. Mr. Ardick is still very much arguing his case, and he and his son work on this as a research project in their own time. Cute. But there has been no, like, properly, like, proven evidence. This is what the language is. This is where it came from. The book is still very much a mystery. Um, and that is the tale of the Voynich Manuscript. I think it's so cool. I think it's so cool. It's very cool. cool. It's School cool. me, but babies. It's pretty. Okay. Score your girlfriend. I'm... Give her a score. Give me a Assign rating. Assign her a numerical value. <laughs> right now. Um, Do okay. It. Do it. Right off the bat. Coward. You're getting six points. Oh. Because you wrote a book with pictures. Hey. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's important um, on the podcast. Then uh, I'm going to give you an additional <laughs> points. What? Now, no one can decipher how many points it actually <laughs> is, but one day, if someone can figure it out, please remember to add those to your overall total. Okay. Cool. Great. Very strong. So, wait, if this if the mystery gets solved, I can retroactively give myself the amount. As long as you can decipher, <laughs> then yeah, you'll get you'll get the numeric value, which I know in my mind prison Perfect. how much that is worth, but you got to decipher it. Great. Good. So, sitting on six. Uh, I'm going to give you, starting right off, about five points because you taught me a lot about a topic I've always... This is exactly what this podcast was be. Like, it's something that I'd heard of and that I'd always kind of mildly thought was interesting, but I'd never taken the time to really study. And now I know a lot more about it, and that mm. makes me feel good. I might take a point away just because, like, I do think the Voynich <laughs> manuscript is very scary. It's, <laughs> uh, I do think it's demons, and I think it holds mm. the demons in. Um not to go wildly off topic, but I will for a second. I did have a dream when I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue. Okay. That, uh, the, the universe was in like a great balance of positive and negative energy. And that anytime that there was like an imbalance and there was too much negative energy, it would manifest in this little like sort of dark spot that was like a physical like dark spot and it hurt and it screamed all the time. And that it was my job to like, like travel the world and find these little dark spots and put them in boxes because there was no way to destroy them. You just had to like prevent them from hurting anyone. And I do think that's what the Voynich manuscript is. So is that well, points or I just well <laughs> hold on, Miles is having a moment. When I was young, uh oh, I had a nightmare about the vampiric grandpa from the Munsters kidnapping me. What the fuck was going on in <laughs> your life? Can I tell you? I was like, my heart was pounding. I really thought you were gonna say I also had a dream that it was my job. <laughs> To find like these spots of darkness around the world and put them in special boxes, and we were about to I break have, out on a huge like, oh adventure God, and leave quest? this podcast behind. We were literally, I'm not gonna lie to you, I literally thought we were about to go on a quest. <laughs> I was so excited. Let's decipher the book. Polly gets another three points for sitting through what just happened. Thank you. You're welcome. I know she doesn't enjoy it. So how, wait, how many points is that? You gave us it was five, seven, seven total. Okay. It is now time for the Star Wolf of Wall Street. This starts off a little rough. Great. The mid-2000s were a pretty crazy time for banks and all <laughs> the people that depend on them. There are tons of stories of bailouts and betrayal, but whereas most of these kind of started popping off in, I don't know, 2008, there was one infamous moment in 2006 when a bank shut its doors and made off with all of its customers' savings, totaling a whopping 700 and 50 billion ISKs, otherwise known as interstellar space credits. Oh no, what is this, Miles? This is Eve Online. <gasps> How many people here know show of hands about an MMORPG called Eve Online? Again, show of hands not great for a podcast, but there are two hands up. Uh, out of the four people here, Ellie, Ellie, let me tell you about the wonderful world the wonderful universe of EVE Online. EVE Online is an MMORPG released in 2003 by CCP Games that has been described as Spreadsheets the Game. Uh, oh, essentially, no. Ellie, imagine, imagine um, you are an, inter, an, an inter, imagine you are an interstellar 
space pilot. You get to build your own ship. You can go out and do all these missions. You can essentially do whatever you want. And it's the most boring game in the world if you're someone like me. Uh, it sounds miserable, but uh, this game boasts a huge, huge community and is known for its scale and complexity. Gameplay exists in a single shared universe with its own politics, warfare, and most famously, a fully functioning free market complete with corporations, trading, and acquisitions. People will spend literal years completing missions, buying and selling goods, mining resources, all in an attempt to strengthen their own personal ships or the organization's that they're loyal to. Just to kind of like let you know how seriously some people take this game, one of the most expensive ships in the game, if converted into real world currency, would cost a little bit over 7,000 US dollars. What? This game goes fucking Whoa. hard. Now, the, you, you the, in this game, you can't actually spend like real world money, like, directly for a well, product, but good. like, there's a whole, th it's a whole thing. Essentially, the conversion rate would be it would be equivalent of 7,000 US dollars. Right, okay, I gotcha. By the way, I, I have to, like, I have to come clean. I said at the top of the episode that my what topic is just barely scratching the surface of stuff. This is just one of so many buck wild stories from the MMORPG EVE Online. Really? Just, just like, I, I sat down to like start researching this topic and it was literally like you're having to learn the history of an entire civilization that's existed in, since 2003. Like there have been the rise and fall of great corporations and like dynasties. And like there have been like what? there's been wars fought with in, involving oh, thousands of people it. like the EVE Online, as far as I can tell, would be the game that I would hate to play. But goddamn, do I love to read about it. Just Every couple of years, some shit pops off in EVE Online, and it is fascinating. I, again, this was a, I did research as best I could the time I had, but I implore you listeners, just, just dip your toes into the history of EVE Online. This game's fucking fascinating. I am way too dumb to play this game. Oh yeah, no. I could not do this. I, I think you were like, can't. no, you are too dumb. <laughs> I was worried. That oh, was, baby, like, baby, we know. No, we no. Oh, no. There's no way no. you could play this game, sweetie. I could play World of Warcraft. Oh, I could oh. not handle EVE Online. Um, but this story takes place in 2006 okay. and revolves around a player with the username Callie. Callie. Aww. Callie. I bet she's going to be real sweet to everybody. Uh, Callie's a guy. <laughs> Are you sure? Uh, yeah. Callie's a guy. Uh, and he's a, a real piece of work. Because in 2006, oh, he came up with a, with a pretty nefarious scheme. He was going to pull off one of the greatest heists in EVE to date, robbing countless players of their money simply by asking for it. <gasps> Wait, how is that robbing? Sneaky. Well, Callie founded the EVE Intergalactic Bank is what he told everyone. Smart. It was a brilliant and extraordinarily simple operation. Callie would give loans to players starting off, trying to get enough money to buy better mining equipment or weaponry, and would encourage players to donate their spare ISKs into accounts owned by the EIB. If they did and chose to leave that money there, he promised they would start earning interest every month. And people went for it because this is eve online people trade goods and services all the time in this game and so the idea of a bank existing in eve online wasn't really out of the out of the ordinary a lot of the content a lot of the things that makes eve so unique is entirely user generated there are very few things made by the developers intended to like push and pull the economy or like the flow of the game they really kind of just made an extraordinarily intricate sandbox and turn people loose. CCP employs economists to help make sure that the systems that they are setting up and turning like players loose upon uh -huh. will work. And folks, they fucking do. But it's spreadsheets. It's spreadsheets. That's important. And some people some fucking people. love spreadsheets. Yeah. Um, spreadsheet can be really fun. I uh, can get down on a spreadsheet. So Callie, after taking in and uh, so to, to the to their credit, 
they did give out a lot of money, a lot of loans at first to get people on board and to make the EVE uh, uh, Intergalactic Bank seem legit. Mm -hmm. um, but after a while, after they'd accrued what they considered to be enough fucking dough, they simply closed the doors. And in one fell swoop, Callie became the number one most wanted villain in all of Eve. So in all that, of what Eve. What does that mean for him? And like, Everyone, everywhere heard the story of Callie and the Eve Intergalactic Bank. And everyone wanted this motherfucker dead. So, you want to know what happened to Callie? Yeah, I do. After making off... Uh, with his uh, let me just check that with number again. Uh, let me just check that number again. Yeah, it was seven hundred and fifty billion ISKs. Yes. Is any of that translatable to real money? No. It is, and I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save oh, it. Oh, what? Yeah. Um, this is what the, this is what he did. Callie posted a ten minute video to YouTube, yes. boasting about how smart he is and how dumb everyone King else is. King shit. Uh, yes. Kind of that, lame. Kind, I, it, I love that so you much. You love more. it? I was like, no. See, I love that so much more than a YouTube apology video. I love a YouTube like, loat video of like, yeah. yeah, fucking dude. The only reason I think that's lame is because of what he did next. Okay. He then used a small percentage of his earnings to buy a very fast, very decked out warship. And then in the game. In the game. And then no, posted. <laughs> And then posted a bounty on his own head and what? flew off into space where he was never found again. Yes! Ladies and gentlemen, in the end, I... the amount of pretend money that Callie made off with would have equated to 170,000 US dollars. Yes. And that is just one of many cool. tales from Eve Online. Miles, that was pretty freaking mind blowing. Thank you very much. I'm gonna give you five points to learn about the weird ass community of, of the internet. Uh huh. Because I do Thank love you. those. Thank you very much. I'm, oh, I'm gonna give you one point because Mamba just came to you. He did, he was so proud of you. And I'm gonna give you three points for the fact that he disappeared into the night and was never seen again, which is my favorite exit of any villain. Mm, nine points, I'll take it. Chelsea, I demand points. And I'm gonna give them to you. One, I'm gonna give you three points because you may not know this, Bobby, but one of my favorite topics just to like spend time reading about, because I am holding my son. Maybe he's just staring at me slow. <laughs> yeah, he's a good boy. Okay. One of my favorite topics to learn about is like emergent behavior and MMOs. Like you were talking about earlier about having not played EVE Online. Like, I never played World of Warcraft, but I love reading about, like, how they had that plague. I was literally, like, that was one of the, cons like, ideas yeah. I had for a topic, but we'll I figured people We'll save it for another one, but it's great. So, mm. Yeah, I just think that emergent behaviors and MMOs is so fascinating, and you really delivered on that front. That's three points. Um, and then, yeah, I'm going to give you five points, because that entire story is what I really legitimately, like, in my heart think that the plot of Ready Player One should have been. Oh, thank that's you. True. What's that total? It would have been better. That is eight. That's eight plus nine. That's 17. That's a 17. Dang. Dude. Almost, almost legal. I, we, I, I want to come back to EVE Online one of these days. I didn't even like have time. I started and then realized this would require more time. There is a four year long betrayal story. That I want to Keep get into. It. Save it, save it, save it, save it. Someone pretended to be someone else's best friend for four years Aww. to topple an EVE online empire. Yes. And I'll talk about that in a future episode. I'll bring you home with Sopranos, but make it bones. But make it bones. But make it bones. Okay, so. You guys know how, like, whenever, like, you're hanging out with your boys in a marl pit, you know? Oh, Like, in New time. Jersey? Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Just, like, always in that marl pit. Yeah. And then you see two dudes, and it seems like they're friends, but then they start warring. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Oh, you mean Friday? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, like, every Friday of my life. Uh, well, that's not your man's. That's the 1870s feud that both created paleontology as the American phenomenon that we know it today, and also almost destroyed it. Also known... As the Bone Wars. I was 
Yes. So hoping you were going to say the Bone Wars. Oh, Bone Wars. my God. Bone Wars. Bone and no, Wars. we're not talking about Miles Luna's 30-year journey to try to lose his virginity. One we're day I'm going to get there. One day. That's the Bone War. <laughs> That's just the singular war. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, the Why Bone Wars. <laughs> Tell me about the Bone Wars. Oh, my God. Was okay. Dr. Grant in there? Not so Crustaceous. let's go back. Giraffe. Let's fast forward. Taking me back. To the late 1800s, also known as the Gilded Age of Natural History by someone. Someone talks about that. That's the Gilded Age? Oh, the Gilded Age? Oh, yeah, you've been doing the Gilded Age of Natural yeah, History. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So this is the story of two men. Classic. Uh, Edward Drinker Cope of the Academy of Natural you Sciences of Philadelphia. made that name up. Didn't, did not, but I know that nobody's going to remember it. Here's Drink, the thing. Edward the other Drinker guy's Cope. name is, uh, and I'm not, I'm going to mispronounce this, Othniel. <laughs> Othniel okay. Charles Marsh of the Peabody Museum of Natural History at Yale. So I know that, that that's so fucking dry. So this is what I propose. Okay. Uh, Edward Drinker Cope was really rich. He was born into like a fancy family. He lived a life of leisure. And for him, hunting for dinosaurs was sort of like a sport that he would do. He was also uh, kind of an idiot. <laughs> he was like, yo, I want to hunt things, but I do fear for my life and yeah. don't want to encounter Someone living creatures. But I found a cool bone in the backyard, yeah. Uncle. So we're going to call him Rich Eddie because he sucks. Rich okay. Eddie. And that's going to be easier to remember. Okay. And then Othniel Charles Marsh, son of a farmer, unassuming Darwinist, who was just a highly obsessive collector from childhood and literally just obsessed with the pursuit of knowledge about these animals, these beasts. Mm. Uh, so we're going to call him the Marsh. The so Marsh. this is the story of the battle between Rich Eddie and the Marsh. And I think that we're going to be able to remember kind of oh each God. character archetype easier that way. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm so fucking here. Rich, Rich Eddie, Eddie and the Marsh. Marsh. Rich Eddie and the Marsh is my new favorite like CBS nighttime drama. Hell yeah. It's also well, a great so, that's band how, name. Just so you know, that's how the title came up is that there was shortly before James Gandolfini died, which I think ended the project or at least sped up its demise. He was attached to play, I believe, the Marsh in a prestige television drama about the Bone Wars. So that's why it's Sopranos, but make it bones. Wow. Cool, okay. Yeah. The Marsh was a Darwinist. And like I said, this is in the late 1800s. But, you know, history really proved the Marsh right on that one. Rich Eddie was what was called a neo-Lamarckist, which we don't have to get super into. The TLDR on that is that he was wrong. Uh, but the longer answer which is kind of interesting is that there was a period of time in which people were like okay you know what i will give you that that like certain traits are inherited and you can see that fine but they thought it was the specific trauma or environmental experiences that you experience in a single lifetime which is fun because some of that we some of that we're actually coming back around to in a weird way in terms of like genetic memory mm. which is like a topic that I oh, want to explore on the podcast like at some point inherited trauma inherited trauma stuff like that but this was more like uh, Miles if I smashed your nose <gasps> then like your kid might have a squash nose I see which I is see, not true yes, not. that makes sense uh, so, they were yeah. a little more in like the Steve Harvey camp of science. Yeah. So that, and again, that was Rich Eddie. So like, fuck Rich Eddie, right? <clears throat> At the beginning, they were friends because they traveled in the same circles. Oh, they were working on the same projects. Always starts friends. And then actually, I think this is really sweet. They even named specific like species that they each discovered after each other. <laughs> oh, that's like, quite sweet. Like, Question. Men in the 1800s, much sweeter friends. Yes. Question. What animal would you discover that you would name after me? Oh, okay. Um, Example, if I found like a new species of hedgehog, I would name it after Miles. Oh, that's very sweet. If I met, if there was like a golden fox. <gasps> like a yellow fox? Yeah, but like, it's like shines like gold in the light, but it's like, it's like soft and it like scampers and it's fast and it's in the woods. If I you found... would name that after Miles. After <laughs> <laughs> Miles Luna. No, I'd name after you. Oh my gosh, I would like the Eleanoricus Foxicus. I'd go. I'd actually go birds for both of you. Rude. So, well, hold Ow. on, hold on, wow. hold on. You watches Tuca and Birdie once. You're gonna bird me? Oh, now I now that is actually very deeply affecting my. <laughs> no, I was gonna say like there was some sort of like golden eagle type thing or like a hawk. Oh. I'd be like the mania hawk. Okay. Be you. 
Chelsea, much more of the peacock like oh. nature, like absolutely just like big, loud, here in your face, beautiful, you're welcome. Aww. Um, it is the boy peacocks that are sexy. But not this I'll, one. Not, not this, this one. one. Not this one. If I found like a rare species of panther. <gasps> a I mean, small like, panther. So, like a smaller But it was like a new species of like, it was like, you know how we have like domestic cats and then we have big cats? Yeah. If we, if we discovered medium cat, <laughs> <laughs> I would name it after Chelsea. Oh, thank you. Like big cat energy, but in a small package. Exactly. <laughs> Where, yeah, did we, yeah, where do we even middle, pick back up? I was in the middle of my bone wars. I totally forgot. So they were best friends, but they soured, and this is how it happened. We're back in the marl pit, you guys. Get okay. ready. So they find this marl pit in New Jersey. They both go uh, because the guy that owns the pit is like, I think there might be bones in here. And I think it's just like an important aside. Like, you know, like when I was growing up, I used to go to the Museum of Science and Natural History and like they literally had like a dino dig where you go and look at bones. Like, oh, hell yeah. like I grew up with yes. dinosaurs. There was never wondrous to me in, insofar as like it was wondrous in the context of everything I was learning about the world was wondrous, but it wasn't new. Right. And so this is so fascinating to me to think about like adult men finding bones the size of their whole body and not and just like being the ones to figure out what the fuck this means yeah um it would be it would be it would be like if today we're like guys there's bones in clouds what yeah yeah they have they they Uh seem to have a whole circulatory system too yeah what the fuck we gotta go harvest them clouds we gotta get up there and get those cloud bones yeah no one knew what dinosaurs was back in the 1800s they were like Oh, y'all, we found lizards that ate the giant magical beanstalk beans and got real big because we do cocaine and think that it's good for our bodies. Welcome to the 1800s. So these two adult men, they hear that North America, lousy with bones. Lousy with bones. Fucking everywhere. I played Red Dead Redemption 2, I know. Yeah. And so they're like, they hear that there's this marl pit, which we all know what that is. Uh, and it's going to be full of bones. Wait, time out. Wait, hold on. Time out. You are saying marble pit, right? Marl. I don't, I don't know what that is. Oh, I thought we all knew what a marl pit no, was. No, please tell it's me. It's definitely not like I had to Wikipedia what a marl pit was. <laughs> it kept coming up when I was researching this. It's just really calcified mud. Okay. okay. So everyone's cool. They... Go and look at this bone. They're like, mm, I'm good day. So, oh, I'm good day. So to you, sir. And, and also to you. But the marsh and what I admit was like, not the coolest move. Went back and bribed the owner of the pit of, hey, if you find any more bones. Give me you, a call. Yeah, give me a call. Don't let them. Oh, Don't let them know. The marsh started it? Marsh. Well, there had been like some friendly rivalry up until that point. But that was what mo- many scholars think is the breaking point. Rich Eddie found out it was a complete dissolution of their friendship. They started going back and forth and talking shit about each other via publication. Oh, that was people, big back in the day. That's how people talk shit about each other. Yeah. Uh, we all know that from Hamilton. But the real nail in the coffin <laughs> and my favorite part of this, maybe my favorite part of this entire story, is that they keep going back and forth. They keep insulting each other's work. But then the nail in the coffin was that the Marsh humiliated Rich Eddie by pointing out that Eddie had put the head of a dinosaur on the wrong end of the skeleton in one of his most famous drawings of a dinosaur skeleton of an elasmosaurus. Can you imagine? Embarrassing. So yeah, so he thought he put the head on the tail because he thought that was the neck. And when people found that out about Rich Eddie, oh, they laughed at him in the streets. You know what this reminds me of? You know what this makes me think of? This just feels like the 1800s version of people getting into an argument each other in the comment section of an internet yes. video. Or like, like you blew it and you blew it big. You yeah. blew it, you blew it big. There's like, it is the biggest victory in the world and the biggest defeat in their career for these two people. No one else gives a single shit. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know what it reminds me of? It's like when people do like the response video. Where it's oh, like, this yes. is my response to Rich Eddie who said that I put the head on the wrong side. Well, fuck you, dude. Your whole head is on the wrong side. Of your body. Yeah, the, like, the, the, the fucking title of the video is like Bon Appetit, all caps, The Marsh done fucked it again. Like, that's <laughs> like, yeah, with like 10 question marks. Oh, yeah. And we, a thumbnail of a woman in a bikini for no reason. Anyway, by 1973, they were absolutely at each other's throats. Mm. Uh, they got in the habit of play, like traveling to places like uh, Montana, finding a new bone, 
And then finding, there's like quotes on that, finding a new bone. I have a bone. I have a bone. I found a bone. But here's the thing. It's, you know, it's the 1800s. So what do they do? They send a telegram back to the East Coast. Miles is having a moment. Yeah. No, please share with the group. It just seems like the logical conclusion to this rivalry that started off as a... That started off as a friendship where they are naming bones and dinosaurs after one another. Ends with like the marsh discovering a new dinosaur and calling it like the Rich Eddie's dumbest fuckasaurus. (laughs) Well, not quite. Eddie's a little bitchosaurus. The marsh is definitely a virgin pletiosaurus. They would find a new bone. Mm. They couldn't very well hop online. They couldn't snap a pick. Mm-mm-mm. to your Twitter and say, here's my bone. So they'd have to send a telegram back and be like, attention, stop. I've discovered a new bone, stop. I call it the Rich Eddie Saxosaurus, stop. Uh, so what ha- happened Savage. was they just kept discovering the same goddamn bones over and over again. <laughs> I found uh, a bone. What a couple of fucking nerds. <laughs> so it's not super clear, obviously, because we weren't in their heads, whether or not like they knew and they were just so obsessed with beating the other person that they would rather take credit for something that was going to later be dis- possibly be discredited to get the initial glory. Mm-hmm. Or if like, you know, because there was no, there was no way to get that information in real time if they really thought they were just discovering new shit, which is also very much possible. Uh, It's so bad that at one point they discovered the same dinosaur over 20 times and just gave it a new name each time. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's how bad it got. So, sad part is is that this rivalry lasted until their deaths. Uh, It ruined both of them, both socially and financially. (laughs) Don't fucking say. No one wanted to hear about it anymore. No one gave a shit. And they spent all of their money to continue to do these excavations all over the country. I love to like continue the idea of the Sopranos. Their wives are like, "Are you guys serious? (laughs) What's this? Like, will you please stop giving a fuck about these fucking dinosaurs? These fucking bounds. I like that accent. It's very strong. Uh, No, that's what I kept thinking about. Though was like the when uh, you know the Marsh pointed out that. Uh, Rich Eddie Rich Eddie put the head on the wrong side of the animal mm-hmm. and it's just like he wakes up and his wife's like Eddie what's wrong and he's like Eleanor I've been positively ruined mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he's I must away to London immediately <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so they were both ruined Rich Eddie had to sell part of his collection which like boohoo but the Marsh, who didn't have any kind of familial wealth, had to basically beg for money from Aww. Yale and like ask for like a yeah. living stipend. This kind of like in the same theme as uh, Callie from Eve Online is uh, very much hashtag goals. Uh, Rich Eddie died first. He had his skull donated to science because yeah. he demanded, he issued a challenge like in like on his deathbed to the Marsh and said, I'm gonna have my brain measured, and when you die, you have your brain measured too, and then we'll see whose brain was bigger. Holy oh shit. My These two guys <laughs> wanted to fuck so bad. <laughs> Uh, they wanted to fuck so bad. That was so, the real Bone Wars. <laughs> that was the real Bone Wars. The Bone so, Wars behind the Bone Wars. The Cold Bone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so the Marsh just was like, no. <laughs> Rich Eddie's brain is still preserved at his alma mater in Pennsylvania. <laughs> just waiting. Like that brain's just there. Just like, you oh, just one of these fucking God. days. One of these fucking days. The more complicated thing is their legacy. Because on one hand, the fact that the Bone Wars even happened, it really contributed to our American cultural fascination with the dinosaurs that definitely like pervades to this day, hmm. uh, as evidenced by things like Jurassic Park. I think the thing that really, you know, has helped interest in dinosaurs is sure. um dinosaurs. But I maybe do- that's just me. Well, my boyfriend said that he went through a dinosaur phase because before that he went through a dragon phase, but then he learned the dragons weren't real and dinosaurs were, and so it was like sort of like a I have to grow up, I'm gonna be a man someday. Like I have to like <laughs> love dinosaurs. I like, know he's, he's thinking all this 
when he's like five. I know your boyfriend, and that's the most your boyfriend shit you have said in ages. Well, like, father, I have to put, it's time to put childish things away and love dinosaurs. Anyway, I'm going to first grade now, later. So anyway, so they have a lasting, obviously they have a lasting contribution to our understanding of dinosaurs. They discovered, like, some of like the dinosaurs that we're the most familiar with were like Triceratops and Stegosaurus. Also the Marsh, AKA the goat. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was like one of the first people to put forth the 100% correct theory that modern day birds are descended from dinosaurs, which would have been absolutely fucking bananas to say (laughs) in like the late 1800s. But the fucked up part is like consider birds. And everyone's like, Okay. They're like, if you're sure. Uh, if you're birds sure. fly in the sky and dinosaur bones are found in the ground. Checkmate. Yeah, that's what Rich Eddie said. Because he was like, uh, new Lamarckism, which clearly is going to stand the test of time. Uh, yeah. No, so that was really cool. And like, those things are really important. And it's it's really, it's honestly hard to, it's hard to imagine what paleontology as a field would be like today without the Marsh and Rich Eddie. Wow. But on the other hand, they did... Their single-minded rivalry did so much damage to paleontology. Like, this is a, like, one is the amount of time that they spent, you know, finding the same bones over and over again that created, like, this really sort of complex web of inaccurate information that took decades to unravel. Would you say they were making fake news? I might say that. There are a lot of sources online that say that something that they used to do was one of them would get to a dig site, would find the bones that they found during the course of their expedition. Like they say they planned for like a two month expedition or whatever. And then at the end of that time, they would put dynamite in the site and blow it up so that the other person couldn't come. So they might be like loads of dinosaurs that they destroyed. Modern day paleontologists estimate that hundreds of specimens were lost. I found one source that was like, um, people who say that they would put dynamite are actually inaccurate. They and I was like, oh, and they're like, they just filled them in with like cement and stuff. And I was like, that's not better. Can I do a very quick? What do you call it? A what bang? So fact, fact bang. bang. Fact bang. Can I do a quick fact bang? Yeah, but so what, the way that this works is I'm gonna sing fact bang, and then you're gonna like come in with like a little like smooth like yeah or like yeah, whatever you yeah, wanna yeah, say. Yeah. Okay, so ready? Fact bang. Dynamite. Perfect. Cool. Really good. So, really good. Um, my dinosaur professor in college was friends with the guy who discovered the Dilophosaurus. Does anyone here remember who Dilophosaurus is? This guy. And now Ellie is making a big frilled lizard. Uh, it's the guy uh, that killed Newman, right? And I'm so glad you do that. He the killed guy, Newman, right? Yeah. The, okay. the, in Jurassic Park, the Dilophosaurus is the dinosaur that fans out its neck like a frilled lizard and spits venom in Newman's face and then eats him. And none of that shit is anything close to what the Dilophosaurus did. The guy that discovered the Dilophosaurus called up my professor so excited one day, telling him, hey, because it was a pretty recent discovery, hey, they're going to put my dinosaur in the Jurassic Park movie. And I'm so excited. Me, James They're They're going to put my discovery in a movie that millions of people are going to watch. And then that movie came out. And then my professor got another call from this guy saying, Fuck Steven Spielberg. Because Steven Spielberg took many creative liberties with the Dilophosaurus and decided to take what was just an interestingly shaped skull with two wedges on the top and turned it into a frilled lizard venom spitting monster. And this dude wanted Steven Spielberg's head on a fucking spike. Um, Rate me, please. I have so many points for you, Chelsea. Oh my God. Um, Points. Okay. I'm going to give you five points right off the bat for sharing a story about um, the harm of friendly rivalry. Mm. I'm going to (laughs) subtract two points for uh, informing me that these two assholes blew up or cemented a fuck ton of dino DNA. Yeah. That's upsetting to me. But then I'm going to give you eight points 
Whoa! Oh my god. Because I still haven't grown out of that dinosaur phase. Oh, this is why that's why I picked this topic specifically for you, Miles. <laughs> that's true. You did say you were excited to present this to Miles. You did. Um Chelsea, 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 Chelsea. That's me. Bone Wars. With the undercurrent of the true Bone Wars, the cold Bone Wars, that these two guys wanted to bang so bad, so fucking hard, <laughs> that they made it all about dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give you, I'm going to start off with a base of seven points. Oh my God. Mm. Oh my God. I'm going to add a point for Flair. For Flair? For flair. There's a little bit of flair. I'll I'll admit that. I am going to subtract one point. Yeah. For the numerous points of screaming. Yeah, that's true. That is real. Um, but I'm gonna give three points. This is a three, lot of math. Yeah. No, I'm there. I'm still with her. <laughs> three points for um research, to be honest. Like yeah. that was amazing. It was a really well thoroughly researched topic. It was it was like I, I you know, I love a rivalry. It was it was the makings of an uncharted game. I would play that game with you gladly. Bone Wars? Bone Wars. Let's go find some dinosaurs. Guys, let's find some fucking bones. <laughs> so what's your, what's your, what's your total? I well, I think 10 one. from you and 11 from Miles. Oh, be 21. then you're the runaway winner of this episode, Chelsea. The runaway winner of this episode of what? Remember? You should just call your cat Miles. I don't want to talk about it. Let Ellie do her podcast. <laughs> oh. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of What. If you have any ideas of what we should present, any topics, if you have any fact bangs, any fact bangs, head over to Dynamite. those. <laughs> yes, those two girls.club. You can also find out all the information about the pod at that website, um, as well as a store that is coming soon and loads of really cool stuff. You can find me at Ellie Main on uh, Instagram and Ellie Maney, that's M A I N E Y, on Twitter. Miles, where can people find you? You can find me at the Miles Luna. It's pretentious. I just have to own it at this point. Uh, I'm at the Miles Luna on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, most social media platforms. That's that's where you'll find me. Aw. And Chelsea, where can people find you? And you can find me all over the internet at Chelsea Harfouche. You can find this podcast at WhatPod on Twitter and Instagram. We are building those pages out. Um, like we said, we've just got started with this. We're really excited about where it's going to go. And we want you guys on the ground with us. So please uh, give us your recommendations. Give us your tips. Give us what you think that we could work on, what you really enjoyed. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to head over to iTunes and give us a review, that would be really, really helpful and uh, allow us to like get the word out and tell people about this podcast. Um, we, we're really excited about it and we're really happy to be here. So thank you guys so much. Maybe, maybe go learn something. I don't know. Read a book and then learn how to read that book because no one else can. That's true.